0: Welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, Episode 70. Adam fell that men might be. First off, I want to start by welcoming all of you new listeners. I the last couple of weeks, maybe it's the new year or something like that, but I have seen a lot of new listeners, and I just want you to know if you're one of those people that I see you and I see your number, and I am just, I mean, I wish I could see your name in your face, but. I'm just so excited when I see more of you here and coming back every week, and it just means that the Lord is doing something through this podcast, and it's probably something really small, but as we know, through small and simple things, great things are brought to pass, so I'm excited you're here, each and every one of you. I really try to visualize you as being in front of me and I remember when there were just like 20 each week listening and I always tried to just visualize. I'm like, think about like 20 doesn't sound a whole lot when you put it in this perspective of the internet, but think about 20 people in front of me and now there are so many more of you and really I'm excited about that, but I still feel like I am just excited for the one, the one of you that, that is listening that. Is hearing me right now. I am excited that you are here. So thank you so much. All right, so let's get into what we're talking about this week. This week, we are talking about the story of Adam and Eve, which is Genesis 3 through 4 and Moses 4 through 5. So before you really get into this episode, make sure that you're at least familiar with this account, read these chapters, because I'm not going to perfectly summarize it. And just to start out, I'm going to give a very brief recap. In the pre mortal existence, There was a grand council in heaven where our Father in heaven presented his plan and was determining who should go down to be the Savior. There also, Lucifer presented an opposing plan where no one would be lost. He would be the Savior and all glory would go to him. That plan was rejected by our Father in heaven and Lucifer was cast out of the heavens along with a third of the host of heaven who he convinced to go with him. After that, the world is created by Jehovah and Michael. And Michael is who we all know as Adam, the first man on earth. So Adam and Eve are then placed in the Garden of Eden. They are told that they can eat from any of the trees in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if they eat from that tree, they will die. Lucifer then comes to the garden and tempts Eve to eat from that tree. Eve analyzes the situation, eats from the tree, and gets Adam to eat from the tree as well. And as a result, Adam and Eve are cast out of the Garden of Eden, effectively opening the gate for all of us to come to the earth and attain bodies and experience. I love what the Come Follow Me handbook has to say this week about the Garden of Eden. It says, The Garden of Eden was beautiful, but Adam and Eve needed something more than beautiful surroundings. They needed, and we all need, an opportunity to grow. Leaving the Garden of Eden was the first necessary step toward returning to God and eventually becoming like Him. I love that part where it says that they needed something more than beautiful surroundings. And I think sometimes in life, we want beautiful surroundings and we want a beautiful life and a beautiful family with with no problems. And although that sounds nice and it is kind of what we all kind of yearn for sometimes, Is it really what we need? We need an opportunity to grow. And in order to grow, we need trials and problems. The Come Follow Me manual continues. It says, That meant facing opposition, making mistakes, learning to repent and trusting the Savior, whose atonement makes possible progression and the joy of our redemption. So when you read about the fall of Adam and Eve, focus not on the seeming tragedy, but on the possibilities, not on the paradise Adam and Eve lost, but on the glory their choice allows us to receive. So in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we focus on the fall of Adam and Eve in a very different way than general Christianity. General Christianity views the fall as a much more negative thing, whereas we believe that it was a necessary part of the plan of happiness. In 2 Nephi chapter 2, verses 19-25, through 25, it says, And after Adam and Eve had partaken of the forbidden fruit, they were driven out of the Garden of Eden to till the earth. And they have brought forth children, yea, even the family of all the earth. And the days of the children of men were prolonged according to the will of God, that they might repent while in the flesh. Wherefore, their state became a state of probation, and their time was lengthened according to the commandments which the Lord God gave unto the children of men. For he gave commandment that all men must repent, for he showed unto all men that they were lost because of the transgression of their parents. And now, behold, if Adam had not transgressed, he would not have fallen. But he would have remained in the garden of Eden, and all things which were created must have remained in the same state in which they were after they were created, and they must have remained forever and had no end. And they would have had no children, wherefore they would have remained in a state of innocence, having no joy, for they knew no misery, doing no good, for they knew no sin. But behold, all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy." Jeffrey R. Holland said, I do not know the details of what happened on the planet before that, but I do know that these two were created under the divine hand of God, that for a time they lived alone in a paradisical setting where there was neither human death nor future family, and that through a sequence of choices they transgressed a commandment of God which required that they leave their garden setting, but which allowed them to have children before facing physical death. To add further sorrow and complexity to their circumstance, their transgression had spiritual consequences as well, cutting them off from the presence of God forever. Because we were then born into that fallen world, and because we too would transgress the laws of God, we also were sentenced to the same penalties that Adam and Eve faced. What a plight! The entire human race in freefall, every man, woman, and child in it physically tumbling toward a permanent death, spiritually plunging toward eternal anguish. Is that what life was meant to be? Is this the grand finale of human experience? Are we all just hanging in a cold canyon somewhere, in an indifferent universe, each of us searching for a toehold, each of us seeking something to grip with nothing but the feeling of sand sliding under our fingers, nothing to save us, nothing to hold on to, much less anything to hold on to us? Is our only purpose in life an empty existential exercise, simply to leap as high as we can, hang on for our prescribed three score years and ten, then fail and fall and keep falling forever? The answer to those questions is an unequivocal and eternal no. With prophets, ancient and modern, I testify that all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. Thus, from the moment those first parents stepped out of the Garden of Eden, and the God and Father of us all, anticipating Adam and Eve's decision, dispatched the very angels of heaven to declare to them, and down through time to us, that this entire sequence was designed for our eternal happiness. It was part of his divine plan, which provided for a Savior, the very Son of God himself, another Adam, the Apostle Paul would call him, who would come into the meridian of time to atone for the first Adam's transgression. That atonement would achieve complete victory over physical death, unconditionally granting resurrection to every person who has ever been born or ever will be born into this world mercifully it would also provide forgiveness for the personal sins of all from adam to the end of the world conditioned upon repentance and obedience to the divine commandments so as it so often does all of this comes down to agency the difference between the father's plan and satan's opposing plan listen to moses chapter 4 verse 1 And I, the Lord God, spake unto Moses, saying, That Satan, whom thou hast commanded in the name of my only begotten, is the same which was from the beginning. And he came before me, saying, Behold, here I am, send me. I will be thy son, I will redeem mankind, and one soul shall not be lost. And surely I will do it, wherefore give me thine honor. So contrast the way Lucifer just spoke to God with how Jehovah, or the Savior, speaks to God. Verse 2, But behold, my beloved Son, which was beloved and chosen from the beginning, said unto me, Father, thy will be done, and the glory be thine forever. Lucifer was all about glory for himself, and the Savior was all about glory for his Father. Lucifer's plan was a lie from the very beginning because mankind could not be redeemed and progress without human growth, and his plan required no growth. Maybe that's why he's called the father of all lies. He hatched this first big lie. The Savior's plan was all about the will of the Father, which was for us to have immortality and eternal life as he does. And remember the definition of eternal life. It's the quality of life our Father in heaven lives, to be like him. And in order for us to get there, we need growth. In chapter 4 of Moses, verse 3, it continues, wherefore because that satan rebelled against me and sought to destroy the agency of man which i the lord god had given him and also that i should give unto unto him mine own power by the power of mine only begotten i caused that he should be cast down and he became satan yea the devil yea the father of all lies to deceive and blind men and to lead them to captive at his will even as many as would not hearken unto my voice In the Garden of Eden, we're seeing the very first efforts of Satan here to destroy mankind. Although it's interesting to note that one of the first things that Satan does here on the earth is part of the Father's plan, and he didn't realize that he was doing exactly what the Lord had planned on all along. In Moses chapter 4, verse 6, it says, And Satan put it into the heart of the serpent, for he had drawn many away after him, and he sought also to beguile Eve. For he knew not the mind of God, wherefore he sought to destroy the world. Satan didn't understand the part he was playing in our father's plan. He knew he wanted the destruction of Adam and Eve, but he didn't know that getting them to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil was all part of the plan. Honestly, maybe all of you know this, but I don't think I ever really thought of it that way. I actually didn't really quite understand how Lucifer didn't know that ultimately what he was doing What he was trying to get Eve to do was for the good of mankind. But that question is answered here. He did not know the mind of God. He didn't understand what action was going to move the father's plan forward. But what about Adam and Eve? If they were so innocent, how could Eve have made any sort of deliberate decision like we believe that she did? Did she understand at all what she was doing? John A. Widstow said, Such was the problem before our first parents to remain forever at selfish ease in the Garden of Eden or to face unselfishly tribulation and death in bringing to pass the purpose of the Lord for a host of waiting spirit children. They chose the latter. They did this with open eyes in mind as to the consequences. The memory of their former estates, including their preexistence, may have been dimmed, but the gospel had been taught them in their sojourn in the Garden of Eden. The choice that they made raises Adam and Eve to preeminence among all who have come on the earth. They have the gospel in the Garden of Eden. They may have been like children, completely innocent, but the Father's plan was in their hearts. Children can feel the Spirit. Innocent children can still seek after good things. Don't you think that Eve felt that staying in the Garden of Eden was inconsistent with the gospel? Don't you think that she had the Spirit of Christ in her heart, which is no small gift? We are taught in the Book of Mormon in Moroni chapter 7, For behold, the Spirit of Christ is given to every man, and I'll add women, that he may know good from evil. Wherefore I show unto you the way to judge, for everything which inviteth to do good and to persuade to believe in Christ is sent forth by the power and gift of Christ. Wherefore ye may know with a perfect knowledge it is of God. But whatsoever thing persuadeth men to do evil, and believe not in Christ, and deny him, and serve not God, then ye may know with a perfect knowledge that it is of the devil. For after this manner doth the devil work, for he persuadeth no man to do good, no, not one, neither do his angels, neither do they who subject themselves unto him. And now, my brethren, seeing that ye know the light by which ye may judge, which light is the light of Christ, see that ye do not judge wrongfully, for with that same judgment which ye judge, ye shall also be judged. Wherefore I beseech of you, brethren, that ye should search diligently in the light of Christ that ye may know good from evil. And if ye will lay hold on every good thing and condemn it not, ye will certainly be a child of Christ." So here at this beautiful point in human history, Adam and Eve made a choice that they knew would result in being banished from the Garden of Eden, a choice that would mean that they would physically die. But it's also a choice that means that we all get to live we all get to grow and have experience we all get to have the trials necessary to become who we are meant to become we all get to die and be resurrected we all get to come back home in 2nd 2 nephi 225 it says adam fell that men might be and men are that they might have joy that men might be is that what we're doing here on earth being adam fell that we might be what does being entail. As the Lord makes clear in the next few verses, being here on earth entails a lot of hardship. But Eve has a great perspective on this in Moses chapter 5 verse 11. It says, And Eve his wife heard all these things and was glad, saying, Were it not for our transgression, we never should have had seed, and never should have known good from evil, and the joy of our redemption, and the eternal life which God giveth unto all the obedient. And Adam and Eve blessed the name of God, and they made all things known unto their sons and their daughters. They rejoiced. After hearing all of the hard things that they were going to have to go through, they rejoiced in their ability to have children. They rejoiced in their ability to know good from evil. 2 Nephi chapter 2, verse 13. If there be no righteousness nor happiness, there be no punishment nor misery. If they hadn't fallen, they couldn't possibly have known the joy of redemption or eternal life because God gives eternal life to those who are obedient. And you can't be obedient if you never knew good from evil, never had a choice. One of the questions that the world has the hardest time with, if there is a God, why does he let bad things happen? Why would God send us down here just to give us hardship? 2 Nephi chapter 2, verse 11 For it must needs be that there be an opposition in all things. If not so, righteousness could not be brought to pass, neither wickedness, neither holiness, nor misery, neither good nor bad. I'm not going to tell you to appreciate your trials, especially when you are right in the midst of them. But I can confidently tell you that Adam fell that you might be, and that being involves a lot of joy and a lot of hard. That being, that living is what's molding you into who you will become. Because Adam and Eve made that first big choice, we get to choose how we respond to what happens in our lives. We get to choose who we become. But that doesn't mean that being here on this earth sometimes isn't miserable. Matthew S. Holland said, For anyone today, With pain so intense or so unique that you feel that no one else could fully appreciate them, you may have a point. There may be no family member, friend, or priesthood leader, however sensitive and well-meaning each may be, who knows exactly what you are feeling or has the precise words to help you heal. But know this, there is one who understands perfectly what you are experiencing, who is mightier than all the earth, who is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that you ask or think, The process will unfold in His way and on His schedule, but Christ stands ready always to heal every ounce and aspect of your agony. As you allow Him to do so, you will discover that your suffering was not in vain. Speaking of many of the Bible's greatest heroes and their griefs, the Apostle Paul said that God provided some better things for them through their sufferings, for without sufferings they could not be made perfect. You see, the very nature of God and aim of our earthly existence is happiness, but we cannot become perfect beings of divine joy without experiences that test us, sometimes to our very core. Paul says, even the Savior himself was made eternally perfect through sufferings. So guard against the satanic whispering that if you were a better person, you would avoid such trials. You must also resist the related lie that your suffering somehow suggests that you stand outside the circle of God's chosen ones who seem to glide from one blessed state to another. Instead, see yourself as John the Revelator surely saw you in his majestic revelation of the latter days. For John saw a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues who stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, who cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God. When asked, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? John received the answer. These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Adam fell that you might be, that you might live, that you might have experience. The story we are reading this week is not only the story of the entire human family, but it is also specifically your story. This beautiful act of agency made it possible for you to come to earth, made it possible for you to have a body, to experience all the amazing things that life has to offer, but also to experience whatever really hard things life has handed you. I'll remind you again that Paul said that even the Savior himself was made eternally perfect through his sufferings. And that the Lord has promised that all things, every single bit of it, will work together for your good. And very most importantly, the choice that Adam and Eve made made it possible for the Savior to be born. And because He was born, through Him we can have hope that anything that's not okay here on earth can be healed in heaven. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.